Now, um, let's go ahead and turn to Exodus, pardon me, chapter 12, and um, get excited about what we see here, because uh, uh, you and I have probably heard that the Lord Jesus himself celebrated the Passover. In fact, it was while he was celebrating the Passover that he gave to us communion, the communion that we celebrate. Uh, Jesus purposefully connected the Passover and the Lord's Supper communion that we have. And that's why he said, when he gathered his disciples around, he said, Men, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He was just, he, he wanted that time with the disciples before he went to the cross in order that he might give to them and to us. The Lord's Supper, the communion table. And the elements of the Lord's Supper come out of Passover, as you will see next week. The title of our message this morning is um, Passover, a day to be remembered. And uh, you see, there's a reason why we have communion. There's a reason why God gave to the Jewish people Passover. Because, well, let's just say it this way, sometimes we forget. Um, some of us have a, a greater capacity to forget than others see i didn't say that the other way around did i (laughs) sometimes we can forget and god wants his people to certainly always remember that they are saved they are forgiven of their sins because of the shed blood of jesus christ and that's why we should really want to and and um, I'm thinking more and more about the uh, how often we have communion. We have it once a month here, communion. But God wants us to take communion. He wants us to uh, drink the fruit of the vine and eat the bread, which reminds us so much of what Jesus Christ did for us. Passover, a day to be remembered. In fact, if you will look at the text, yet some of you have your Bibles open. Notice verse 14, 12, 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Verse 17. So shall you observe the feast of unleavened bread, which followed Passover. For on this day I I will bring uh, bring forth your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generation as an everlasting ordinance. Look at 1226. Look at 1226. And it shall be when your children shall say to you, what do you mean by this service that you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord. And that's so awesome. When we observe communion, uh, and we vary when we take communion, Your children may say, you know, why do you drink the fruit of the vine? Why do you eat the bread? It's a wonderful opportunity to tell our children because Jesus is the bread of life. Because Jesus took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body. And I'm going to go to the cross for you. You see, it takes the um, objectiveness of what happened and it makes it meaningful in the minds of your children when you can say, Jesus went to the cross for you, not just for mom and dad, 
but Jesus died for you. And we celebrate that. And when we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, we're saying, I have partaken of the Christ who went to the cross. That's why communion is so important. We normally do it on the first Sunday of each month. And when you're here to do that, as you partake of communion, you're saying, I have received Christ as my Savior. I have received him in the forgiveness of sin. through. Now you say, well, isn't it possible someone could partake of communion and not really be saved? Certainly it's possible. But the point is, for us as believers, it's so meaningful to us. When we eat that bread, it reminds us that Jesus said, this bread represents my body. And when we drink the fruit of the vine, it reminds us Jesus really did shed his blood. He died in a particular way on the cross for our sins. Now, prior to the Passover night, uh, there were the ten plagues which the Lord visited upon the people of Egypt because the Pharaoh would not release the children of Israel who were in bondage and their slaves, would not release them to go out into the wilderness and to worship him. And um, I, I did a little uh, looking at this, and we'll do it together this morning. Uh, sometimes when you read the Bible, you ask yourself the question, well, why is there so much content on this subject? And some people have asked the question, well, why in the world is there such a large section of Scripture on those ten plagues? The water turning into blood, the frogs covering the land, the lice and the gnats, the flies, the diseased livestock, boils, hail and fire, locust darkness, and finally, the Passover. People will say, why is there so much of that in Scripture? Well, I think there's at least two reasons. You may think of some more. But number one, it shows God's absolute authority over mankind, period, and certainly over the gods of the Egyptians. Because almost every one of these things that happened uh, represented one of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. We'll take the darkness. They worship the sun god. People even today in different cultures, they worship the sun. Uh, and instead of the god who created the sun, they worship the sun. And what a, what a privilege we have as believers to send representatives, we call missionaries, to other cultures where people are still uh, worshiping idols, worshiping the sun, moon, and stars, and other things. Well, God, in turn, showed his power when he uh, sent these plagues to try to get even the Egyptian people to see that he's the true and living God. And the gods that they worship couldn't really help them. Uh, only the true and living God can. And uh, the second thing is, uh, I believe that the time frame of the uh, plagues, it does appear to be long. And uh, the time frame is long because, well, God's a long-suffering God, isn't he? He really is. And he's given people in Egypt the opportunity to turn to him as the true and living God. You're familiar with 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says, God is long-suffering and not willing that any should perish, but uh, that all should come to faith. Sometimes we talk about the subject of the second coming of Christ or the rapture. We say, I wonder why the rapture hasn't happened yet. 
You know, I, I wish it would happen this afternoon. Some of you would be saying that. Some of you say, I hope it doesn't happen this afternoon. But some of you are saying, I hope the Lord returns soon. We would love to see the Lord. Well, why is he waiting? Well, he's waiting. Well, this is one of the reasons. He has set the time when he will return. But he's waiting because there's still people, maybe some of your relatives, maybe some of your friends, maybe some people you work with. He's waiting until certain people come to faith in him. He's long-suffering, but he will, of course, come again. And God showed his long-suffering characteristic in the plagues which he allowed to be on the Egyptians. Now, again, the Exodus 12 brings us to the last night that the people spent in Egypt before they were released uh, to go out into the wilderness to worship the Lord. And God was bringing one last judgment upon the Egyptian. That's the death of the firstborn. And the death angel was to pass over Egypt, and the firstborn in every home would die. But God had a plan. God had a plan. And that plan, when enacted, would keep people from dying physically and probably spiritually uh, as well. Uh, in fact, spiritually as well, we'll just say it that way. This plan was the Passover. And the Passover is a type or a picture of the plan that God has given to us even today. Those who believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for them, those who believe that will be forgiven of their sins. What does the Word of God say? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And I've mentioned this before. I've talked to someone in our neighborhood, and he said, I, I just can't believe that what Jesus did 1,900 years ago, he did for me. So his problem is he, he can't come to faith. He can't realize that Jesus Christ bore his sins on the cross. He died and he shed his blood. What other way can we be forgiven? We can't be forgiven any other way. You can't buy your way to heaven. In fact, the Apostle Peter says it's not with silver and gold um, that we have even available to us, received from our fathers by vain traditions, but through the precious blood of Christ, our sins are forgiven. And so God's plan, you see, is very important. Uh, all who believe and act upon uh, that which is spoken concerning the blood, death the death angel would pass over uh, in the day, the night of the uh, Passover. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. And here's a key verse. If, if you had a Jewish friend or neighbor, someone you work with, and, and I wish I had to use this more years ago. <laughs> uh, it's funny, as you keep maturing in the faith and reading God's word, you see things, you say, wow, if only I had to use that before. But... Um, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. If you write things down. It says specifically, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. You see, Jesus Christ is our Passover. He's the Passover lamb. And that Passover lamb uh, in the Old Testament is a picture or is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Christ is our Passover lamb. He is the complete sacrifice for our sins. Uh, when we trust him, we're set free from slavery. 
See, the children of Israel were set free from slavery and bondage in Egypt, but we have been set free from slavery to sin because of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said in John 8, 36, he said very clearly, uh, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And you see, that's why you and I as believers, we have an amazing ability. Listen, don't underestimate this. We have amazing ability to say no to sin. You can say no to some sins where someone who doesn't know Jesus, they're just going to be trapped in that. And they're just going to keep doing it over and over and over again. Jesus said whoever commits sin, especially if they love their sin. But you and I as believers, you see, if we're tempted, we can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to dishonor my God. And you have the power to say no and the power to not do that sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleansed you from your sin. How awesome is this truth? Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. And then we're going to see as we come to the end of the message this morning, right after Passover, there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the unleavened bread, which we have in communion, is bread without yeast or leaven. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this again. There's two reasons why they had unleavened bread. One was they had to get out fast that night. And um, they didn't have time to make the bread, um, uh, to put the dough and put the yeast in the dough and wait and allow the yeast to rise. They didn't have the time. They needed fast food, right? Fast food. And the second thing is that the leaven was a type of sin and so God's saying to the people of Israel okay I'm giving you the Passover and we'll talk about this in a minute and then for uh, seven days after this you are to be eating unleavened bread bread without leaven which is a type of sin in other words he was saying we'll see this from 1 Corinthians 5 I want you to deal with sin in your life now that you know Jesus is your savior I want you to Get some things out of your life that God doesn't want in there. Um, you are to uh, purge out the leaven uh, of, of your life. Purge out the sin. Uh, be thinking, and we'll talk about this in a minute. Be thinking about some things that God wants you and me to get out of my life. Okay? That's the idea. All right, let's continue to move on. Uh, you'll notice as we go to chapter 1 uh, that the first section in verses 1 through 6 deal with the fact that the lamb the Passover lamb was chosen and examined now there's something sometimes we see some things we say well are they really meaningful if it says well this happened on a certain day of the month in the word of God things are meaningful uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be your beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you. All right? The point here is this. The children of Israel were to find a lamb. Uh, all right, I'm going to pick it up. I, I should read verse 3 as well. Speak to the congregation of Israel saying, On the tenth day of this month, this first month, on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small, let him and his neighbor who's in the house next to him take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. 
and that you shall find a lamb without blemish. Now the point was that they were to take this lamb into their home. And it was to be without any blemish. In other words, it couldn't have a broken leg. It uh, couldn't have sores on it. It had to be absolutely without blemish. And, uh, of course, you and I know that that lamb in Old Testament times was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Savior, you see, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He knew no sin. 1 Peter 2.22 says, He did no sin. And 1 John 3.5 says, In him there was no sin. Let me help you with something here. I remember my own brother, my oldest brother, uh, he used to tell me why he was a skeptic. He said, I'm very skeptical. He says, I hear about these preachers who fall into sin. And I know some people that claim that they were Christians and they fell into sin and um, and to him you see it's setting back because well you you look at people and you look at those who claim to be Christian and you'll hear this along the way but you know the Lord only did this for me when my brother said that to me I said you know Wayne I said um, what do you see wrong about Jesus can you tell me anything and he said, well, now that you ask, no. I said, you see, Jesus is the perfect son of God, and he willingly had no sin but went to the cross and bore your sins. And you know, the Holy Spirit used that. The Holy Spirit used that in his life. So, again, when you hear somebody criticizing or saying Christians do this or leader, Christian leaders do this, point them to Jesus, right? He's the spotless lamb of God. He's the perfect lamb of God. John the Baptist, uh, when he saw Jesus, even before he went to the cross, John said, seeing Jesus, he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one that will deal with man's sin. How awesome this is. Now, verses 6 and 7 in chapter 12 are very, very important verses. You'll notice it says, Now you shall keep it, that is the lamb, until the 14th day of the month. That's 12-6. Then the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it at twilight, at dusk. Okay? Verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they shall eat it. Now, I think it's interesting to read that because um, you kind of wonder when that word spread throughout the camp of Israel, if there might have been some people who said, well, I don't think that putting the blood on the doorpost. Apparently in Israel, nobody said that. And I'll show you a verse that verifies it in a few minutes. It's very important to understand that the Lord said, when I see the blood on the doorposts, I will pass over you. And see, we need to remember that it was not the life of the lamb that brought relief from the judgment, the death angel. It was the death of the lamb out of which the preservation from judgment came. That's very important. 
Because you'll hear, hear people say, well, in Christianity, you know, I, I realize Jesus said many good things and things that he wrote were very good, but they don't believe in the blood, the shed blood of Christ. In fact, at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, what is called liberalism sweat, slipped into Christianity, where you would have people who um, would say, well, they, they would say certain things like this. I'm really generalizing, but this is what was said. First of all, they say, well, we don't believe that the Bible's the inspired word of God. Um, we believe there's errors in the scripture. Wrong. And then they would say, well, you know, we don't have to keep communicating in our message the fact of the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, what we're going to do in some denominations now, they literally did this, we're going to take all the songs in the hymn book that talk about the blood of Christ and we're pulling them out. You know, that's a shame. That's a shame. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to cleanse from sin. And that's one of the reasons the pastor of my home church in the great state of New Jersey, <laughs> left this denomination because they're tearing things out of the hymn book and they're tearing things out of the Bible. And he says, no, the Bible's the uniquely inspired Word of God. And it is. The key verse, again, we mentioned the fact that it was not the life of the Lamb, but the death of the Lamb. It's not the life of Christ, but it's the death of Christ that makes the forgiveness of our sins possible. And some of you know the verse already. It's Hebrews 9.22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You see, Jesus died paying the price for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus died for you, and he died for me. And this, this must be made clear if people are going to get saved. You see, it's not enough for them to say, and this scares me sometimes because I'll talk to people and they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus died. That's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get you to heaven. I just talked to someone yesterday. They said, oh, I believe Jesus died. That won't get you to heaven. You have to receive what Jesus did on the cross. You have to say, Lord, I believe you died for my sin and your blood was shed for me. And you have to receive Christ as your Savior. Yes, we, we can just say as a fact that Jesus died, but we have to receive him, John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those that believe on his name. Someone from this fellowship said this morning, and I can't remember who it was. I love the conversations, by the way, before and after church. Can't always remember that you said it, but I can remember the conversations. Can sometimes. And they said, you know, I had to tell someone this week. I had to tell someone this week. I had to actually ask them is what they said. Now, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Wow. How awesome. Giving this person who was asked the question an opportunity to think and say... Yes, I know the one who went to the cross and died for me. How awesome that is. You see, it's the death of the Lamb that brought the freedom from judgment. Got to move right along. God said again, key words, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Lamb was, verses 8 through 10 of chapter 12, was roasted and eaten. Uh, again, the eating was done in haste, verse 11. The meal consisted of the roasted lamb the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. Remember, the lamb is a type of Christ. 
Remember the unleavened bread is a type of Christ. was not to have leaven in it, which is a type of sin and iniquity. Uh, I think it's interesting that the lamb was to be roasted so that it would remain whole. Um, again, a picture of Christ in his completeness. He, he willingly went to the cross for you and me. And when we put our faith in him, we put our faith in the sinless lamb of God who died on our behalf. And you'll notice they were to eat the lamb after it was roasted. And, of course, that's a picture of you and I after we get saved. We partake of Christ, not only at the communion table, by the way, but through the week when you're praying, when you're taking your needs to the Lord, when you're saying, Lord, I need your help in my life, it's amazing. You're feeding upon Christ. He's sustaining you. You have a need and concern on a Monday or a Thursday, and only Jesus can meet that need, and he is so pleased when you're willing to say, Lord, here I am again. I got this real big responsibility, Lord, so I want to draw upon you. I believe you're the one who can sustain me. And that's the picture again of them eating of the lamb, not only uh, putting the blood on the doorpost, but feeding upon him. As we meditate uh, upon the word of God, we pray to the Lord, put our focus upon him. He in turn does nourish us quickly. Also, the Israelites ate bitter herbs, and you'll see these next Sunday here on the platform as well. The bitter herbs were reminders of the fact that they were in bitter bondage in Egypt. But, you know, when things got tough for the children of Israel, they started saying to Moses and Aaron, well, when we were back in Egypt, you know, we had things pretty good. And that is not true. They forgot about the bitterness of their servitude in Egypt. And that would be like someone today saying, uh, well, I've received Christ as my Savior. But boy, it seems like people in the world who don't know Christ have a, 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 such a good time. And they don't really have trials like I have trials. And we have to be very careful. You see, life without Christ can be very bitter. It really can. Uh, we heard testimony at the men's conference the other night. And one of several of the speakers, and they were guest speakers, um, several of them were involved in uh, drugs and alcohol heavy before they came to faith in Christ. Um, one of the men was, um, you know the commercials on TV, My Pillow? Did you ever buy one of those things? My Pillow? Mike Lindell? Is it Lindell? Is that the right? Boy, his life was really tragic before he came to Christ. And what was interesting about his testimony, you remember, Nick, uh, what was neat about his testimony was this vision of this pillow. He, he actually designed the contents of that pillow before he was saved. Before he was saved. And, and it was like God was saying to him, this is really going to be your thing, Mike. Uh, I'm going to use this in your life. But he's not saved yet, see. And, uh, boy, he almost didn't make it. Because he's heavy on drugs. Uh, he's away from God. And uh, I believe it was his brother that led him to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, dealing with sin. So important. And that's why the Lord gave to the people of Israel the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, leaven, again, is a type of sin and evil. And uh, 1 Corinthians 5 says that we are to deal with sin in our lives. And he was convicted. In fact, he's 
<laughs> it was either him or one of the other men who was deep in the drugs. He said, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> and the Lord reached down into my life. Isn't that neat? That's awesome. He said, I got to the place where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Even the baseball player, what was his name called out? Strawberry. Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. So he came to the end of his career. He's on drugs. He said, I, have every, I had everything. I had millions of dollars. He said, all the possessions that I wanted. And my life was empty without Jesus. And that's certainly possible. And he said, I had to learn to deal with my sin. Hebrews 3.13 says that our hearts can become hardened because of the deceitfulness of sin. We have to be very, very careful. In fact, man calls sin an accident, but God calls it abomination. Man calls sin just a blunder, but God calls it blindness. Man calls sin a chance. God calls it a choice. Man calls sin a defect. God says it's a disease. Man calls sin an infirmity, but God calls it iniquity. Man calls sin a trifle. Some people say, ah, it's not that bad. God calls it a tragedy. Man calls sin a weakness, but God calls it willfulness. God wanted his people to be very, very careful and after the celebration of the Passover and the eating of the Passover lamb, then they had the days of unleavened bread. And it was to remind them to get the leaven out of their lives, things that God doesn't want to see in their lives. What kind of things? Well, things like unforgiveness, things like habits that shouldn't be there, uh, things of neglect that should be done that I don't do. We, we need to be very, very careful. What's beautiful is we remind ourselves, pull together a summary as we look at first, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 12, is first of all, God revealed his power. And his power was seen in preserving the firstborn of the people of Israel. In fact, I told you I was going to let you see that verse, but I can't find it, so you're not going to see it. You're listening it's in one of the Psalms where it says, and I'll, I'll summarize it, it says, And the people of Israel went out of the land, and not one of them was weak. Not one of them was weak as they went out of the land. I believe it's around in one, Psalm 107. It's very beautiful. All the people of Israel put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel. God showed his power by giving them his plan, and not a single death among the Israelites was recorded. In fact, the obvious lesson is that great lesson which was sung for us this morning. Unless you're protected by the blood of Christ, if you die without Christ, there will be judgment. There will be a separation from God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's God's power. His promises were made true as well. We, we see that the Lord told Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, if you do not release my people, the firstborn are going to die. And that's exactly what happened in the land of Egypt. And when that happened, Pharaoh told the people of Israel, you may leave the land. And I love 1 Kings 8:56. If you mark your Bibles, mark that one. There is not one 
failed one word of all his good promises which he promised to his people through his servant Moses. Listen, that says not one word failed of God's promise. And, and see, so you and I, we need to live on the basis of the promises of God. You have to remember that the Lord is always going to be with you because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The word never means never, ever leave you. So sometimes when you feel you're alone, sometimes when you feel that maybe God's not on your side, he's there because there's not one word that he has ever promised us that will not come to pass. And by the way, what does he promise with regard to heaven? He promised that we will be there someday, right? And so we're going to see each other in heaven. And we're going to say, remember that Sunday back there in um, 2019 when we talked about the Passover? And talked about the fact that God's promises never fail? Wow, not one word. Furthermore, he not only showed his power, he not only kept his promises, but he delivered his people. Oh, I found the reference. Got to look at it because I told you I couldn't find it. Psalm 105, verses 37. I like this. I, I found this, and I think this is really neat. Psalm 105, verses 37 and 38, and we'll close here in prayer in just a moment. Psalm 105, verses 37 and 38. And he brought them out with silver and gold. Remember, the Egyptians gave them of their uh, substance. And there was not, there was none feeble among the tribes. In other words, there weren't, wasn't anybody limping out. The Lord had sustained His people. He sustained them even uh, in, in their slavery. Um, it, this brings a whole other subject. Verse 38: Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. Not one Jew was too feeble to march out. Of Egypt. So we see two things that we want to remember besides this. We see his power. We see his unique ability to deliver. Please keep this in mind and we'll close in prayer. As believers, we are saved to serve the Lord. God wants to use every one of us who are here this morning. You say, where do you get that from this passage? Remember, God told Moses to say to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Now, obviously, he also said that they may worship me, but it's both. We come on Sundays to worship the Lord. But when we leave from these walls and we leave from this time together, we, we serve the Lord. We're concerned about people who don't know Christ. We're concerned about people who really need spiritual help. And God will bless you as you minister to those who really need help. So we're saved. We're going to heaven, but we're saved in order to serve. And then secondly, we're saved in order to be sanctified or set apart to the Lord. Passover, unleavened bread. And what God continues to do in our lives, and, and we welcome him to do this. Lord, is there anything in my life that shouldn't be there? Am I holding unforgiveness towards somebody? Am I, do I have a habit that you, you don't want there in my life? Lord, get that leaven out of my life. Lord, I want to live to please you. And that he died for all, that those who live should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again.
So we're saved to serve. We're saved to deal with sin and to experience more and more that likeness to Jesus Christ. And you'll find people in the Christian life and you'll say, man, that Christian's growing spiritually. That Christian's really coming along. And uh, you'll give thanks to the Lord for brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Let's pray together.